fantastic weekend and getting ready for your Super Bowl Sundays. We have an eclectic discussion to have. First, we're going to be talking about uh, the the what's going on with the affordable housing in the United States. It's not what, what, what was predicted. Secondly, we're going to talk about um, something that kind of just hit me today talking when I was reading the newspaper about what's going on in Ohio. So I want to talk about how that could affect the housing market. And then we are going to talk about what's going on in the Dallas-Fort Worth um, housing market with my one of my favorite guests for Super Bowl Sunday, <laughs> Mr. Matt Kelderman. Come on in, my friend. Come on in. Man, Hello. you look a little older, dude. I know. You're looking a little old. I know why. Today is your birthday. It is my birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Eddie with a nice little sounder in the background. I love it. <laughs> Eddie, put that on. Happy birthday to you, my friend. Thank you. So uh, I I know I didn't send you this article earlier, um, but it was one of those things I wanted to kind of discuss with you to see what you got, get your take on it. And I want to get everybody in the audience's take as well. So in Ohio, they had a massive... Um, disaster that happened with a train that de had derailed in that train was carrying chemicals of vinyl chloride, which um, exploded in the air, you know, like it had gone into the air. And so they decided, well, the best thing to do before it goes into the groundwater was to set it on fire and let it kind of dissipate that way. Um, people were told to leave the area. They leave the area. They come back. Their chickens are dead. Their, their dogs are sick. And they're starting to show videos of, you know, basically fish dead in the river along the way. But they're telling the EPA, EPA a government agency, is telling them that the water is safe and not to worry about it. Um, my, this is what I was thinking, is that, like, first thing that most people say is, uh, don't worry about it. You know, don't worry about it. It will it will be fine. Um, well, if it's not fine, just move. How are people like this supposed to move? They they can't leave, even if their house was just say in pristine condition. Who's gonna buy that living in an area? Um yeah, it's even entered the international spotlight last Friday when the uh East eastbound north folk southern train derailed and caught on fire <laughs> they but i was i was told that it was it was set on fire so it wouldn't go into the groundwater um this is to me seems very similar and reminiscent of what happened in Detroit, in michigan um what what do you think people should do if it's they really own a home, funny. this really? came up today. I was having this conversation with um, my missus actually just about rental prices in general. And we were talking about how when home prices go up, rental prices in areas go up and, and to the affordable housing conversation, people can't just up and move. They're like, people say this all the time. We're like, if you don't like it here, just move somewhere else. Their kids go to school here. Maybe look, maybe they're like me and they have geographical restrictions due to custody stuff and that you couldn't mm -hmm. move. But you don't have an asset to sell. You don't have a job to go to. Your whole family's here. Why should people be forced to move out of a place, especially for something like a train derailment and terrible chemicals being spilled everywhere, right? But more importantly, like we're seeing this all over the country with the sentiment of people. It's like, well, just move somewhere you can afford. Most people, including even people who may have means, aren't just going to up and move and uproot their entire life tomorrow 
because they have to. It's just a crazy sentiment. I hadn't seen that story at all until you just brought it up. I was kind of trying to find an article about it. It's pretty nuts. Yeah. So um, it just reminds me, somebody else said the Love Canal, but I mean, if you look uh, in Flint, it was Flint, Michigan that had that problem. And they, to this day, they are still brushing their teeth. They have to go down there, go down and get an allotment of bottled water to brush their teeth and bathe. And when they, when people say, well, why don't you move? She's, they're like, how, how how are we going to move? I have this house here. Who's going to buy it? Like, and look what's coming out from the tap. Who's going to buy this house? I can't, where am I supposed to go? I can't just leave a mortgage payment, you know, and the bank isn't, doesn't care that the water isn't, you know, like I have to pay this. And, um, I think that there should be some kind of restitution that's brought up for these people that live in these areas that they, they find a way for them to be able to leave because to raise children in an area that is contaminated, that will make them sick for the rest of their lives is not, um, it's just not humane in my opinion. Don't Um, these companies always end up finding some kind of loophole, especially in the insurance where it's like, we had to pay out a certain amount, but we only pay out a certain amount per person. And you know what I mean? That's, that's the thing about this is it, 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 does it even does it even make the people whole that it's supposed to make whole in the first place? Well, they drag it through the courts for the longest yeah. time, and they try to justify what what they they did. You know that that's what they did in Flint. That's why it's it's going on for so long. Um, you know they they just keep dragging it out. You know, and th- that's what will happen with this. They'll drag it out, and those people will have to suffer all this time. But I don't think. I just don't think this is the way we should handle it. You know, like there has to be a better way than this because these are human beings and nobody deserves to have like contaminated water um, to their homes. You know, when they bought it, they didn't know it was contaminated, you know, like they made it this way. Uh, I don't know. I, it's my bleeding heart. I th- I just think about those people and those people with, you know, they have farms, you know, they have those big farms and the cattle's not cheap. Raising cattle's not cheap. You know, and having all that there, the, I mean, those animals are getting sick now. What happens to those people? Those, fa- you know, those farmers are going to suffer from this. You know, can they even grow vegetables anymore there? Like, there's so many unanswered questions. And it's, um, I don't know, it's just really, it's just gross. And corporate greed is is alive and well. And they're going to find some way to get around it and drag it out for eons. And I just really, really sympathize. I think the effects of this is going to be a lot worse than people think. Because uh, where this was located, it's right by a, like a, a branch of waterways. So it isn't just concentrated in that one area. This is going to branch out to several states. So um, maybe because it's going to affect so many people down the line that maybe, may, maybe something will be done about it. But who knows? Who knows? Yeah, that's, that, I, that was not on my radar, but it is now. I mean, I'm, after we get off, I'm definitely going to check it out some more. Oh, Living on Montana says, hello, Christina. That's Hmm. a good channel right there. I don't know if you know uh, Will. Do you know Will Friederman? Anyway, he's a good good guy. Anyway, (laughs) Frieder, Frieder. I always say his last name wrong. (laughs) Yeah, it's like Three Mile Island. Exactly, exactly. And then we got balloons in the air, but that doesn't relate to real estate. But that was just like, I don't read, I don't watch the morning news. If anybody wants a, like, if you have not, take a break from the news for a while and then go ahead and turn on the the morning news just to make yourself laugh hysterically because nothing is worse than the morning news. They literally will report on nothing 
for hours. It was Tom Brady in his underwear. And I'm like, we have contaminated water and you're talking about Tom Brady's <laughs> underwear. <laughs> so. it, it just all, it just also goes to show how, how we can all put ourselves in our own sec- in our own little bubble when it comes to this kind of stuff too, because like, like, I didn't know the balloon thing was happening until the day before everything kind of popped off. And it was because my, my, the algorithm on most of my social media is just keyed up to football and soccer and whatever my kid watches on YouTube. And so I don't even see any of that stuff. I, I generally look for articles online for real estate. You know, I want to see what people are saying, what the experts sure. are saying. I'm constantly reading that stuff. So it doesn't normally pop into my feed. It just so happened that it was, a story under the story I was reading about affordable housing, which is, you know, my wheelhouse. And um, the article was talking about uh, affordable housing and uh, right under it was this, this oil or this chemical spill and how many people were affected. And then they, like the part that blew my mind was like, they set it on fire. You know, they were like, oh, we just don't want it to go in the groundwater. So we're going to throw it up in the air, this big dark plume of smoke. It's totally fine, but we're going to have just out of abundance of caution, we're going to evacuate a thousand people, but you can come back in a couple days. They have them come back and their chickens are all dead. You know, <laughs> like, the article I saw, it said dogs and chickens and just local wildlife. It's just all... Yeah. And so then I, then I don't get on TikTok very much, but I got on TikTok and they were showing people, you know, people have their phones. So they're out there, like, look at the rivers and they're like foamy and soapy and there's nothing but, you know, carcasses everywhere. It's like, oh yeah, I couldn't go back. I would take bankruptcy. I wouldn't go back. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. uh, Diamond Rush Media said, please post a question so we can see it. But we're now we're going to talk about affordable housing. So the the thing I've been sounding the alarm about for the last uh, couple weeks is the fact that because interest rates have been ticking down just a little bit, they kind of waver between six and a little under six for the last couple weeks. I've noticed an increase of, um, activity with first time home buyers. But with that activity, I've also noticed that with those most affordable homes, there's started the bidding wars again. And I've actually even noticed it on social media posts from other real estate agents that said, I just lost a bid and it was, you know, 13 in the, in the docket for them to look at. We just lost it. And it was because it was in the most affordable range. And this is what I'm sounding the alarm about is that you know everybody keeps talking about a housing crash but i don't think it's going to happen in the most affordable home sector so what do you say well, matt kelderman in so many markets that affordable home sector is like you just were talking about still flooded with so many people we're we like a lot of major markets are starting to see some multiple offers back in in reasonable price points now fortunately i have yet to see the waiver of inspections waiver of appraisals kind of insanity that we were seeing there for a while but absolutely we're definitely seeing seeing buyers really engaging with the market i think all of the shock around interest rates is gone now people have Mm -hmm. accepted interest rates for what they are we are now at high fives low sixes for pretty much everything um people are still seeing home ownership is is a viable option right they're they're revisiting Mm -hmm. they're seeing in in our market where inventory is way up our pendings look in January look really similar to January pendings of last year, mm-hmm. but we have a lot more houses to choose from, which is nice. And the ones that are really desirable are still seeing a ton of activity and, and multiple offers. I have not been back in a multiple offer situation yet, fortunately, which I'm super happy about. 
we haven't seen so much of that in here in Louisiana. You get some tough negotiations, but it's not like full on bidding wars. But we didn't have that that many here at during even the height, height, height of. But I live in a really rural area. I'm not going to lie. So, I mean, the it's just not as uh, hot <laughs> any time of year, even even after Katrina. Um, but. Uh, you know, uh, I I worry for some of the areas that people believe that the housing market is completely falling apart. For instance, let's talk about like Phoenix, Arizona, um, some areas outside of Las Vegas, uh, um, Austin, Texas, and people are reading the papers and they're saying home prices are dropping 30%. And, you know, they even even in your area, Dallas, Fort Worth, they're saying that prices are dropping. So if you are a first time home buyer and you're reading all these articles and you're seeing all these things, you may feel like you're getting bamboozled by your real estate agent and by the sellers because you're thinking they're dreaming because everything you've read has said that the housing market is falling apart. In any market, Right now, if you have an affordable home, it's going to be uh, something that's going to be wanted. You have you have a commodity that's very needed. So just just know that if you're in this um, right now, even in your area, right, Matt? Well, no, yeah. And here's the thing is it, the two things can work together, right? Home prices are down maybe not 30 percent here, but I bet you they're down here 23, 24 percent from where they were May of 2022 which is okay. by all trending kind of numbers that we see locally, that was when the, the peak of the market was May, 2022, right? And we've seen home prices come down significantly since then. The mm -hmm. deal is they, A, they were still up probably 20% from where they were in July of 21. Mm -hmm. And um, the affordable houses have become even more desirable because there's even so few of those now. There's, there was, it was not hard to find good homes in parts of DFW under 250 before all of this run up. That, those are very few and far between. I just, we, I had a buyer recently who her, her max price was 180,000. We were exploring the, if, if you're from DFW, you don't understand how huge of an area it is. We were exploring every market where you could get single family homes under 180. Mm -hmm. She could not, ultimately she decided this market wasn't for her and we found a different solution. She couldn't find anything that was just, in a decent enough neighborhood that was in decent enough shape. She was fine with buying something that was in okay shape in a neighborhood that was maybe a little less desirable or something that was in rough shape in a nice neighborhood. She couldn't even make that match. Mm -hmm. the so anything under 200 has became very, very difficult to find. And anything under 400 is really, really attractive to everybody. Uh, ja uh, Jacqueline Smith says, uh, Phoenix, 30 th 33 years in the business. Our market has picked up. It's back to normal and we're not crashing. So tired of the clickbaity stuff. Well, uh, I won't mention names. They are presenting false narratives. And I, I, I understand that. But, you know, like when you read headlines, you can take anything, any kind of information and twist it to shape into what you want to say. You can take any chart and make it seem something else. And a lot of them do that. Um, it, and it's, it's wrong. You know, it is wrong. But no matter what market you're in, even if, even if Phoenix was still, uh, let's just say Phoenix home prices were collapsing to the ground, it still would not make the most affordable homes available right at this moment, at this moment. Exactly. Um, and not only that, like, 
define a house in the under 200,000 and Jacqueline, you can ask, you can answer this to find a home under 200,000 in Phoenix, I'm sure is very difficult to find. Right. And then, then you still have over 6% right now, as far as an interest rate, that's still a very hefty payment for a lot of American families. So, um, you know, a lot of people would be like, yes, anything, if I could get a house for 200,000, that'd be amazing. But I don't know our area, it's very difficult to find that. Um, I think one of the, I think one of the the natural things that we do is we, we look at national news for real estate information. And while that's not a bad idea, when you want to see the overall health of the economy, some things like that, one, you have to weed through a lot of stuff. That's not news. It's just mm -hmm. people's opinions. That's the biggest issue first, right? Is clearing all that away. Secondly, real estate's hyper-local. It's just, it, it just, what is happening in, in even certain parts of Dallas isn't the same as what's happening in other parts of Dallas, Fort Worth, right? So, right. so anybody who kind of, one, as real estate agents, sometimes we have a tendency to jump in some of these groups that we're on and be like, market still, like, and debate each other about the real estate market, even though like the, the laws in our states aren't even the same, which is crazy. Even the imagine, interest rates in each state are not the same. Yes, yes. <laughs> People don't realize that. doesn't even know that. And they're yeah. doing all this. And so like, I understand it can be rough to, 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 to swim through, but being hyper local with your real estate understanding is going to be much more relevant to you than kind of what you're hearing on whatever chosen news source. Jacqueline Smith says uh, that there, you can't even find a house under uh, 200,000. Doesn't exist. Yeah, it, it, Doesn't it's exist. not impossible here, but there's not many. Yeah. So, you know, I know that at one time uh, during the last housing collapse or crash, whatever you want to call it, you could, you could scoop up some pretty good sweet deals during the foreclosure. <laughs> there was a lot of people that did, you know, like I had clients that got some really, really nice houses during that time. Um, but they were, they were just like, when people were telling them not to buy, they were like, no, this is a really great house for a really good price and interest rates are great. And I'm getting money down and stuff. So um, just look at your finances. Don't listen yeah. Listen to your real estate agent and don't listen to headlines, national headlines, because it may not re pertain to your market whatsoever. So Maria P, P, Maria P says, will the Fed continue to increase rates after March, given the 15, 517K jobs? Do you think that they will continue to increase rates? At first, I love how educated your viewers are, because I'm, <laughs> I'm even surprised to get that question in the first place. Look, <laughs> I, I'm not the Fed. I will mm -hmm. say that more jobs is not more better for the economy. I will use terrible English. We there is a part not of, more better, not more better. It <laughs> seems like it should be. It seems mm -hmm. like it should be, but there is part of this interest rate and the overall health of the economy that has to go through pain. And look, maybe we're not going to go through it, but I would say four or five months ago, my opinion was we needed to lose, we need to have unemployment at a lot higher than it's gotten to in order for the economy to really break this fever that we were seeing. It seems that we have somehow managed to coast through Q4 and into Q1 without having to have a bunch of jobs. Interest rates appear to have settled down. Consumer products still suck to buy, right? Like mm -hmm. everyday stuff like milk and eggs or like the amount of money people are spending is not any better, which might be like the shadow thing in all of this. Yes, more better. Um, but the, the reality is I still do think there, as long as we are still adding jobs, we're not going to see interest rates going lower, right? Well. It depends if they continue. It depends what the bond market does. You know, we'll find out what happens. That too. If they yes. if they uh, continue to go up and they keep increasing, it could mean that the bond market reacts in a way that will keep them in the you know high fives 
low sixes, which isn't to me is not a terrible place to be as far as an interest rate is concerned. I but I've I I saw I wish I had saved it, but I saw a TikTok of a guy. He's like, you know, all those people that said I was stupid to buy a house at the end of 2021. Well, let me show you. Here's my interest rate. It was like 2.75. He's like, I'm dying in this house. This house will be buried with me. I'm not yep. going anywhere. Yeah, I was reading the comment section. They were saying the same thing. Those people that have those interest rates in the twos, they're not moving unless like God has picked them up and taken them out. <laughs> yeah. And, and look, and they wouldn't right now. But also, like, let's say you let's say you closed on your house in May of 2022 mm -hmm. and you still got that interest rate from April of 2022. But you overpaid by one hundred and fifty grand, which there were people doing that here. Yeah. And you're course. now sitting on a six hundred thousand dollar house that you paid seven twenty five for like. That interest rate better be super exciting to you because. But it will come back. You know, it, like, it will. It will. They and will come be back and they use their own money. They didn't finance that money. They use their own money. That's right? been the best. And that's the biggest reason why we're not seeing this market take a giant dump right now either is because this wasn't. You and I have been saying this for months. Mm -hmm. This wasn't the type of market that was going to lend to like complete collapse. This was real people. This is real cash coming out of people's pockets that was funding these over appraised values. Right. Like, mm -hmm. and I, I, I saw somebody comment earlier. I don't, we haven't talked about this in a while. I don't see the same corporate purchasing and insane investor purchasing that we were seeing a few months ago either. Depends on where you're at. Yeah. At least so, here, that's what I'm saying. Here, I don't see it. You don't see it there. There are yeah. other states that are starting to see an increase of that. But that that's a good point though. The, oh, I think the, the way that people want the housing market to crash, the only way would be if, if people, if these investors were not making enough money on their REITs, so they had to dump some of their investments. So they started flooding the market in some of these hot areas that they overpaid for houses just to get them off their books. So their REITs can still perform for their, uh, you know, their investor buddies. Yeah. That would be the thing because they have bought so many houses at one time. It was one in 10 houses that were bought by a corporate investor. Yikes, yikes, fruit stripes. And they were overpaying for them, you know? Absolutely. So, uh, question. I co-own a house and I need to get it overhauled. Cleaning, flooring, and garbage removal. And in turn, uh, in, in turn it into an investment property. But how do I get my mom, and, mom to hand the ownership over to me? Ooh, wow. I would get with a title attorney to see if you could work something out. Now, most likely you're going to have to buy out her share of the house and you're going to have to see if you qualify to uh, like remortgage the house with that qualifying share that you're going to be adding to it. Um, that would be, that's how you would do it. In my opinion, what do you say, Matt? Yeah. I mean, like, like on the, on the buttoning up side and, and mm -hmm. you wanted to, if the person agreed to it, right. That's how you would go through all of it. I think this, the human side of things Find a local real estate agent that you trust and and maybe even a someone who can GC the deal and put together numbers and maybe just go to your mom and say, hey, look, here's how this could really look for us. For this amount of money, we can do this to the house and then sell it or lease it out for this. And here's what the long term play looks like. I'm a fan if because the reason I, I'm figuring you're asking this question is there's a little bit of tension on who wants to do what with the property. That's not uncommon in real estate. You see that all the time between spouses and people in homes. They, they don't want to do the same thing. I would mm -hmm. encourage you to come with information and data and show the other person what your game plan is, right? Instead of just kind of trying to like do the thing that you want to do, say, hey, look, here's what it's going to look like. Here's what the ROI is. Here's what we could spend. Here's what the long-term investment looks like. 
Let's ROI means return on investment. Return on investment, exactly. <laughs> so you do all of those things and then go to the other co-owner and say, hey, here's what I would like to do. And then, and then of course, it becomes a contentious situation. You start having to work it out from there. But seek to seek to come with information first. You might get a little bit further. Yeah. I and parents can be stubborn though. I oh, I have sure. I have some stubborn parents. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not saying that's gonna work. I'm just saying at that point you would have covered your bases and have a clear understanding of what you need. Maybe you don't even need to battle with this person. Maybe maybe they'd be maybe a little bit more amicable than you think they are. I don't know. Oh well. if not, sewer. It's just your mom. <laughs> no, <laughs> your mom. Golly, Matt. <laughs> sewer. Take her uh, to court. Take her to Judge Judy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, Peter has a question. He says, even with prices down and interest rates down to just above 6%, aren't most potential buyers still not able to qualify for a loan? No, people, I mean, like people still have great jobs. I mean, like people still have down payments, you know, there's still 3% down conventionals, three and a half percent FHAs. I mean, there's still reasonable to get into a home with a lower down payment. You know, if you can put together 15 grand, you can still get into a home, right? Um, so there's still lots of people who can do that, but it's certainly different. And there are people who qualify for less than they did before, for sure. I will say this too, Peter, the average age of the first time home buyer has increased a lot over the last 10 years. It used to be like, when I was growing up, it was like 22, 23, 24 around there. Now it's like 32. Um, I will say I deal with a lot less first time home buyers than I used to. I was like you about 10, 11 years ago. I was helping people in their young couples in their early 20s buy their first condos. Like mm -hmm. that doesn't seem to be happening nearly as much as it used to. Right. And that's a problem. That that is a big problem because they're forced into renting. And who owns the rental properties? Corporate 100%. investors. And they're they're dictating the price of rent yep. to the point where like it's unaffordable. It it's Oh, it's so gross. It's so gross. <laughs> it's like, it's I, I live in a neighborhood right now. I'm looking out my back window. We live in a neighborhood of three twos, four, three type bedroom. You know what I mean? Bedroom, bathroom count, you know, nothing really over 2,300 square feet. Homes over here are renting for 27, 2,800. These are 1980s. Disgusting. Yeah. It's almost three grand a month to rent in this neighborhood. And most people, most people, a good portion of the United States, that's what they make in a month. You know, it's, un it's, it's unreal to pay three grand to rent a three bedroom, four bedroom. To house. live, to yes. live in a, a dwelling, a yeah. dwelling, a roof over your head. That it's is crazy. disgusting. I'm sorry. You see a lot more apartment complexes popping up. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. But that shouldn't be the answer to the affordability crisis. Is to put up more, more, or, you know, or like we're not sardines. These are human beings. We have plenty of land. Build smaller homes at an affordable price and they will sell. I to agree. people that have good jobs. Oh, anyways, <laughs> Gamer G says in Orlando, they said the median price for a starter home in a decent area will start over $300,000. Yeah. $300,000 for a starter home. Yeah. And Orlando used to be extremely affordable. Like back in the day, <laughs> just when I was over a teenager, um, we bought our first house. It was $130,000. You know, we were sweating. Yeah. We were, our interest rate was like, I think it was either 7.5 or 8.5. I can't remember. I think it was 7.5. And I was like, oh, I hope we did the right thing. And then like we had the big boom that came after that. And, it, you know, then it was like it got up to 285,000. I'm like, this house is not worth $285,000. We did. That's I how would. we ended up in Louisiana. <laughs> That's how we did it. Probably would have too. 
um, grateful to catch a live. Thank you to all your guests again and again for all you do. Thank you so much. Relaxed. Don't do it. All right, officer. <laughs> officer of the law has a question here. <laughs> Christina, if all the housing markets fall apart in the hum like Humpty Dumpty, economy cannot put itself back together. How long will it take to start all over again? Tent cities until it appears? Um, you know, during the last crash, they were really predicting that people were going to be out on their rear ends. The thing that the the cause and effect of that was there was a lot of people that lost their homes, but the rental market was like they were begging people to uh, come in like they were offering a lot, you know, so these people were able to find rentals. Um, right now, most people that are in a home have a lot of equity in their houses. They're not losing their jobs. They're, yes, there are people that are having layoffs in the tech world, but it's not um, as epic as it was the last time. We are not seeing foreclosure rates go up like they had in the past. They're not even, I haven't checked recently, but the last time I checked, they still weren't even at the pre-pandemic levels they were in 2019. So at this point, I just don't see how it's all going to come tumbling down. The only thing I have in my brain is because corporate investors have been wielding their little fingers into the real estate market, dictating the prices so much so that they have increased, uh, like in some areas, they increased it. They were overbidding and, and making home values go up so fast. In those areas where they have done that, I think that we could see a problem. We can see a problem, but I, I don't know when that's going to happen. And it would take them having to unload those properties to see that problem. Um, I just, on the other side of that, I just don't see it happening because even if they did overpay for it, they're still making rent on it and people are paying that rent. So it's kind of like, you know, yeah, sure. We overpaid for it. Who cares? We're still, we're still getting people in there. They're renting it out. Um, the the thing that I, I worry about most is that we have priced these homes so high that as younger people come up, they'll be 50 by the time they can afford a house or 40, you know, 47 before they can afford a home because they keep going up and up and up. And we're still not building enough houses for the amount of people. Now, there's another theory. I know I'm rambling. There's another theory that's saying that the reason why they don't continue to build is because the population is decreasing and people aren't having children as like they used to. Well, why would you? I mean, like if you knew, like you see the world right now, I don't know when my kids say, I don't know if I really want to start a family. I'm like, don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> don't blame you. And they're like, I don't think we'll ever afford a house. I'm like, I, I understand where you're saying from, but you can. You just have to uh, prepare yourself a little different than when we did when we were younger. So I can see it by both the uh, sides of the track. Well, so I that was my ramble. Sorry, I went on a, a tangent. Well, I think Go as ahead. a parent, like, and I'll, I'll, I'll work through that through the reverse because I think like something we as parents can do to set our kids up is, is one, there's, there's education that we need to be giving them so specifically about how the way they need to change, save their money has changed from what our parents told us to do. Relying on your company's 401k ain't it anymore, right? Like that's nope. just not going to happen. So you've mm -hmm. got to be able to prepare yourself and put yourself in a position to have that wealth, that wealth or not even wealth, just honestly, the ability to go forward and function in the economy. I do kind of wonder to not to skip the question, but since I don't have a crystal ball and I don't know how global economics all play with each other in the sandbox, it's usually never the way any of us expect. Mm -hmm. I do feel like what we're seeing in the housing market and the increase is going to affect like my son's eight, right? How old will he have to be and what will his position have to be to be able to purchase a home? Just like, you know, 
we look at where we rank in education now. You wouldn't have thought 20 years ago the things we were doing were going to change that. Now the U.S. ranks terribly in most education statistics globally. It might be the same thing down the road for our kids and where we're at is that we just the home ownership and stuff doesn't happen until it's 30. It just becomes kind of a normal deal. And people spend the majority of their wealth giving it to these huge corporations and struggle to ever really reach retirement age, relaxation age, all of that stuff. That could be the fallout from all of this that we don't wouldn't see right now at all. Yeah. Um, I don't know. These kids are are more. Um, they're not nearly as scared. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and they no really kids will, are as scared as their parents. <laughs> yeah, they they really will buck the system. So, like, if they, I could just see a group of them going, you know what? Why don't we just make our own community? We'll start all over again, and we'll do it our way. You know, I could just see them doing that. They, uh, they're they're very crafty and they're very smart. And I don't think we give them a lot of credit for what they do know, because I listen to my kids and I'm like, that was over my head. You know. <laughs> They're, they are very smart and they are not afraid to change. They're not afraid of bucking the system at any given time. They just don't care. So this is one of the, this is going to, I don't want to diverge on this, but this also mm -hmm. is the product of youth. All of us, this is not a new generational thing. We can go back to the sixties and see young people wanting change. We can go back to the seventies. We can go to the nineties, young people, everybody wants change until it's their thing being changed that they don't want. That's why as we get older, you follow and get set in your ways. And then you don't want anybody to come touch your stuff. You don't want anybody to mess with it, right? The, the, the biggest, I, I think I think the kids are, I think all kids are gonna be just fine, just like humanity's always fine, it works itself out. Mm -hmm. I do think in the United States, we put ourselves in a huge problem. Our people do not, there's not enough money to go around. The, the wage gap and earning gap is getting bigger and bigger. It's colleges matters more or less. I can't tell if college matters anymore, right? Like, I don't have any idea. It, it, they're not being set up by a system that's going to help them very well going forward. And that is and where housing is at. reflective of that. And, that? And, and housing right now is reflective of that. Very much so. Very much so. Rents are too high. Home prices are too high. Yep. Interest rates are okay. But somebody said, asked, Chris asked a question, said, do you estimate the interest rates going down to the fives? in 2023 if they're gonna so i've had a couple people uh, on and they they talked about it hitting the fives it did hit the fives on a thursday for like a few minutes <laughs> good a good two hours by friday morning they're back up in the sixes if we see the fives again i don't think they're gonna be the lower fives that would be my guess um but I think that's where we're going to be. I think that's going to be our happy place for a while, quite some time. It's going to be in the fives and sixes. That's my, that's my crystal ball prediction. What do you I say? I agree completely. Yeah. If you say 5%, like 5.0, no. If you like, you think you'll see it like 5.99, like <laughs> probably, right? I think it'll get under five for a little bit. Again, dep always depends on what, you know, Fed Chair Powell's coming out and says. Too. You're going to have that one person that gets in there and they're going to be like, I got 5.79 today. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> I locked it in. <laughs> You're like, yeah, high five them. DB Douglas has a question. It says, if I got a mortgage for $1,000 per month max, how much loan would I get putting down 20%? That depends on the taxes, your insurance, um, all sorts of stuff. Eddie even pulled this up for you. Um, so, like, if you bought a house for one hundred ninety thousand with a twenty percent down of thirty eight thousand, a thirty year fixed at seven point two, that would leave your payment at around twelve hundred dollars. So, that your loan amount would be one thousand thirty three dollars. 
Yeah. So you're probably going to be looking at the one one seventies, one eighties, if you're if you're looking for that. The, but that would be in Louisiana. Every state interest rates are different. Everybody's taxes, property taxes, man. Like even the, like for instance, property taxes. All right, how much is property taxes? Just a guesstimate for a house that's like two two thousand square feet in the Dallas Fort Worth area. How much are oh, property geez. taxes? If you, if you want to actually give me a second, I can actually give you like an estimated on like on one right now because I'm kind of got it. I was looking at something right before this. Now, we, are you guys a homestead state? Do you get to yes. do your homestead tax exemption, all that stuff? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So with homestead. So our property taxes here, our house is 2,200-ish square feet, I believe. Okay. And my property taxes are just over $2,000 a year. So our property taxes here are higher than some places, not as high as some of the East Coast, right? Like Jersey, some of the, when you see like the the really high states. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm pulling this up right now because I wanted to see. So I've got a- I've got a newer construction. It's a 2000 square foot house, like for sale for, you know, around the mid three, mid to low threes, the mm -hmm. unexempt taxes on that. I don't want to bog down the show. Keep going. Okay, Anyways, yeah. they're, 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 they're not great here, but they, they, they are getting higher. And that's one of the bigger deals. What's the amount? Well, I can't really pull it up. I want to say like 7,700. Yeah, seven thousand, like around ten grand. Around yeah, 10 right, grand. yeah, like right around eight thousand. I think. I think. Right, yeah. And then you have an insurance on top of it. Now here in Louisiana, our insurance is high. Not gonna lie, <laughs> it's, our insurance is high, but we have a we have some we have some flooding issues. Just so everybody knows, I know I've said this several times. Flood insurance is not part of your homeowner's policy. If you happen to live in a low lying area that has never flooded before, but back in the day they heard that, that there might flood, get yourself some flood insurance. It's very inexpensive. It's like 500 bucks. Get yourself some flood insurance for peace of mind. I'll tell you what, the, the people that were affected in 2016 that had flood insurance, they only had the, a lot of people only had the flood insurance that covered the house, but it didn't cover or the contents inside. So yeah, they got their house fixed up, but they have no furniture, clothing, all that stuff had to be thrown away. Pots, pans, all the mold that had grown on there, gone, mm -hmm. done. You can't bring it back. And so uh, just know <laughs> if, if you are in a low lying area, flood insurance is something you need to have. It's very inexpensive and it's not covered under your traditional home policy. This was not an endorsement for any kind of company. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Yeah. And uh, oh, yeah. Another thing, too, if you're thinking about moving to an area, find out how much the car insurance is. Louisiana car insurance is high as well. I saw a commercial. Debbie, uh, Debbie Brady said, I saw a commercial for Title Lock. Have you seen um, have you seen title theft before? Title insurance is one of those amazing things that I, I've never really seen go wrong. It is there for every single transaction. And I've had a couple of minor issues as far as surveys and fences encroaching and things like that, but never had a real title claim where like, like Uncle Jim's niece came back and said, hey, this is my land. Give it back type of thing. You have, have. I've never had that happen. So in the state of Louisiana, inheritance law works a little bit different. So in order, when someone passes away in your family, if they do not have a will or or they don't have a will that was filed correctly, everything goes down to the the children, not the spouse. So all the kids get um, a, a property like that. And I had a property that my buyer was purchasing. And in order for that 
to close, the, they had to repair the title and they had to have 36 members sign off on this house. It was only $35,000. I've never seen a title like this. I mean, they were just round robin and in, just signing away. And they were all waiting for their check for this $35,000. What an amazing feat to get those 36 people all together to do all that too. Like, and, that's pretty impressive. and you saw every walk of life. You saw from the top of the hill all the way to the bottom. I mean, it was it was literally the whole way, the whole gambit. The whole gambit all the way through. Now, and, I have uh, sold a property that had a family burial plot on it. And that was interesting because I learned very quickly that when there is a legit burial plot that's registered and everything on property, you can never forever restrict rights to the family of that person coming on that property and paying their respects. I like, so like that. If it is your home, they, they will always allow the family members to come on because the buyers ended up buying the house, but we're, we're not going to. Um, for a while until they understood that because they're like, we don't want them coming on the land. And like, well, you can't not let them. Yeah. 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 And those are the best neighbors to have. They're super quiet. They're super, super. They quiet. are, man. I don't know. Like I was a kid. I always thought that was like, Oh, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> then I'm like, now I'm older. I'm like, I would totally do that all the way around. <laughs> those are the best neighbors to have. They never complain. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, and another thing with title insurance too, it's just a peace of mind. Um, you can have all sorts of things that happen. And when you get your, make sure that the title insurance, when you're getting your closing statement, uh, settlement statement, you have title insurance for yourself. Cause you might see title insurance on that closing document, but that refers to the title insurance for the lender. Make sure you have your own title insurance and it's a one-time fee. So just go ahead and get it. Peace of mind. It's one of those things you think that it won't even, it won't pertain to you because you bought a brand new house. I had that happen too, where they bought a brand new house. We went to sell it. They, the people that were purchasing it got a survey and the house next door was over the property line. Luckily, mm -hmm. these people had title insurance. The builder cured the whole problem, but I mean, that was an issue. So yeah, title insurance, another thing. Flood insurance, title insurance. Who knew that this was going to go like that know, <laughs> today? Right? <laughs> Diamond Rush Media says, uh, update your wills. If you've moved to a different state, they uh, so they are valid. This is 100% true. 100% true because the laws in each state are different. So uh, you want to make sure that the that your uh, will is updated. And you want to like take a look at those every once in a while too because like, your will could relate to children that are now older that are, you know, like if you have your whole will and it's set up about the care of your children and they're now 18 and 20 and 24, you're not going to have them living with their aunt anymore. You know? Yeah. So yeah, it's a good to update those as well. I need to do that. I'm going to update my will. <laughs> Smart think has a question. Do you still stand behind boxable? Uh, word is, uh, word is they're raising even more money and still basically haven't produced anything for, or pre-orders seems like a money pit failure with no product or scalability company. They're building more factories. I they're obviously building houses. I don't know. I don't know anybody that has one. I still to this. I mean, other than Elon Musk, I don't know of anybody that has one in their backyard. I wish I knew more about them than I do. I do believe that the product is a real. It is a real product. I went and saw it myself. Saw the factory. Saw how they were making it. It is. Uh, water resistant. I think it will solve a lot of affordability problems in some areas, especially around that California, Arizona area. Um, it wouldn't really necessarily work here in Louisiana, but um, 
Yeah, I think it's a good product. I just don't know when I'm going to see them in people's backyards. Do you know anybody that has one? Uh, I, Matt? I do not. I don't know. I, you're dead. This is definitely way more your wheelhouse than mine. I've not, I don't know anybody who has one. I like the guys. I think they have a, uh, a good product, a good product. I, I think that they're, that this could be something that really does solve it. I just don't know if they can get enough of them out because I think they have like 175,000 people on their wait list and they only can build at the last time I was there, they could only build like, you know, I think it was like five houses or eight houses a day or something like that, or five houses a day, something like those. I'm, I'm quoting that wrong. We have to look that up, but it, you know, like for the amount of orders they had for as many houses they could produce, it, it wasn't lining up, but with the second factory that could really help. That could really help. Um, yeah, it, it, I don't know. I I just don't know. I I, do, I wish I had a better answer for you because I I just don't know. Yeah. Oh look, somebody from Brazil. Hello. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> Hello. Nice to see you. All right. Yeah. If anybody has a question, just go ahead and put it up on the screen. Um. Okay. I I I want to go back to that Ohio thing because I was thinking about this. What um. Does. Whenever a uh, natural disaster has happened here in Louisiana, we've had our fair share. We've had floods. We've had all sorts of things that happened. And uh, there was always a place for people to go to outside the whatever area. And um, I guess maybe because of the culture here is that we always help people here. You know, like if someone's in a, a bind, you the neighbor comes and helps them out. Um, I just hope for that area, they do the same thing. The thing that was, is going to be different for them than it is here is that whenever, for instance, whenever Katrina happened, all those people had a lot of displaced homes, they couldn't rebuild insurance came in and all the surrounding areas exploded because mm -hmm. people needed to find a place to live. I don't know if that's even possible. Like, cause I don't think I would live within, you know, 2000 miles of that thing. Um, let alone 500 miles or 30 miles outside that area. So I worry about that. <laughs> I, I know that totally like I, it's on my brain. It's kind of one of those things that I'm, I'm going to lay there tonight and still think about those poor people in their kitchen, their yeah. chickens and their pigeons and their livestock and all sorts of stuff. But my other worry is that uh, I'm just seeing so many more people in looking for an affordable house in that first time home uh, bracket that can't find anything affordable in their area. And if they're not going to build enough houses and then we're just going to keep shoving them in apartment buildings, that's not a good way for our kids to build wealth. And I think it's up to us to demand in our areas that they build smaller, more affordable houses and squash out the uh, people that are like, I don't want those. It will bring down my property value. Those people need to just zip it. <laughs> zip it do you have those those nimbies in your area that talk about affordable housing yeah i mean like there, there's definitely conversations i think around it like here locally like there is everywhere mm -hmm. i'm this is one of those places where i know you and i always like always I, I see things the same as you i'm just so much more pessimistic about about really being able to get that stuff done and the reason why is just everybody loves this idea until it affects them Right. And mm -hmm. all the people who needed the hand up or needed the smaller home to get started when they were kids. Now that they have a couple of now that they have a home and it's in a bigger neighborhood or whatever, 
I will say one of the, you know, they don't want that near them. I will say one of the neat things about Dallas-Fort Worth is because we do have so many different pockets of different types of homes and different affordability, that there is, there are areas where I think this works, right? Because there's just not a lot there already. We do have a lot of room to spread out. Mm-hmm. I also understand that's not everybody's situation, you know. Right. Me. It's not New York City. Yeah, I get exactly. That. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, New York New York City is a hard one, too, because it's like, I, I feel like even I, I know some real estate agents there and it seems like even the real estate market, that is just a renter society, right? Like, well, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? That, that one specifically, too. But I don't know. It, it's, it's tough and it's not changing here anytime soon that I've seen. Yep. This is a good question. It says, have you seen Boxable? The, uh, the, in, the in-person reviews I've heard about Boxable were very negative. Use the worst quality building materials. I have seen Boxable from the very beginning. I was one of the first people to ever report on Boxable. If you go back and look at some of my videos, one of my top performing videos is about Boxable. Um, they, they are quality products. Like their walls are very well insulated and they're solid. Um, they like they're mold resistant. Um, they're reasonably affordable for the area that they uh, are making them for. Uh, they wouldn't necessarily work here because you can get a, a house for you know a hundred thousand. If you're going to put a fifty thousand dollar boxable on it, would probably wouldn't appraise. Um, that's why it doesn't work here. But it works great for like California and in Arizona and those areas, because they have a higher price point. Um, you know, like, I, I don't know what those people's in-person reviews were. I, I have, I haven't had, like I said, I haven't seen anybody have one in their backyard. I was, I was at the factory. I saw how they seal them up and put them together. You can't smell anything. Like there's no like VOCs, you know, like how, when you go into a new house, it stinks. Mm-hmm. It doesn't smell. They, they really have like, use the right products. So it isn't something that's going to make caustic and gag you to death. Um, it definitely has the insulation. Um, we were in uh, the Arizona heat and right there in the parking lot, you can go into one of the houses and nothing was as cool as a cucumber and it was blazing. It was like 105 outside. Really? Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, they they are a good product from what I can tell. I don't know what happens from the time it goes from the factory to it lands on that spot. One of the, Oh, there, there's my video. Yep. And one of the, just like anything, when you buy a manufactured home, a modular home, and let's even just say boxable, uh, everything could be fine for the, for the specific home itself. But once it's put together, the people that put it together usually cause all the problems. Like you could have a top notch quality, Uh, manufactured home and the people that went and set it in place and connected it together and put the plumbing together and connected it to your sewer system and their wiring together, they mess it up. So then you think my house is a piece of junk, but it isn't your house is a piece of junk. It was those people that put it in. And that's what happens so many times, so many times. So I'm wondering if that could have been some of the issues that people are having like I said, I just don't know anybody that has one. I've asked. I'm like, does any has anybody gotten one yet? <laughs> has can I meet one person that has one in their backyard? People like I've seen people take pictures down the road that they have seen them. Like I got somebody that I said, oh look, a boxable because it was all wrapped up and it was going down the road. I'm like uh-huh. who's getting it? So who's getting it? <laughs> Anyways, I know you can't talk about them, but I I, I can. <laughs> no, no, I love hearing about it. I just I just haven't seen. I like you. I haven't seen them either. Yeah. 
I mean, I've seen him in person. I just haven't seen him in anybody's house or location. So it's 50, 150,000 for a new build with a hundred thousand, 100 square foot in Lubbock, Texas, a fair price. Is that a fair price in Lubbock? I don't, it, it, I've been to Lubbock once. I drove. Yeah. There. I mean, I, I've, I haven't, um, but here's what I will say. I know from a location standpoint where it is, that, that seems reasonable for a new construction, right? It's, it's out there in the West part, right? There's not mm -hmm. a whole lot going on around it. If you're not going to college out there or living out there, but um, for a brand new, for a new build, 1100 square feet. Yeah, I believe so. You know, my, um, you know, uh, I have a little bit of familiarity with the, the kind of the Midland Odessa market, which is a little bit further West and they have tons of new construction out there. And that seems to be right around what people are paying in their market too. Yeah. There's not much out there except for a lot of, uh, scorpions and, uh, what was it? There's oh, a, I, rattlesnakes. There's a whole lot of oil money out that way. Though. Yeah. Rattlesnakes people dressed in too. overalls and you don't think got a dime. They've got about 40 million under their house in oil. It's crazy. I, I, I was out there to go see a, a tiny home builder that didn't build tiny homes. <laughs> is, this, I don't, is this the video? Is this the video where you found the dude who like, wasn't doing it? Where, where was the video that you out to Texas? I yes. drove through Lubbock. He coaxed me out to Texas to go look at his off the grid, tiny home community that he had just, he was starting. He had all these uh, models that he wanted us to see. He had three prepped. This is how he pre three prepped for me to come out there and take a look at them. And he was calling me every week. When are you coming out here? When are you coming out here? And this was right at the beginning of the pandemic. And I was like, all right, I'll jeopardize my health for the community. So <laughs> I rented a car and drove out there. He had nothing but a pipe dream. It was all that video was that that video when you were doing that video. That was when you and I, you've been in my social media world, but that was when you and I were really getting to know each other because that was like kind of one of my first experiences with your videos was like watching you go through all that. And now you're like, wait till you see what I have coming up. And you told me about that. And I was like, oh my God, this guy's what a idiot. I can't believe that happened. Cause you know, like, and I'll tell you this as viewers, when you meet a home builder, it doesn't matter if they're in the tiny home business, the modular home business, the SIPs building, doesn't matter. Home builders are a little off. <laughs> they're always a little, little kooky, you know? So you kind of like deal with their idiosyncrasies. So there wasn't any really massive red flags and he was, a, he was slick talking. But when we got there, I like, I instantaneously, once my eyes laid uh, like right on his face, I was like, we're getting bamboozled. I knew the minute I saw him, we were getting bamboozled. And then that whole entire day, he had us outside out in the heat in Texas, like for hours. I'm like, where are the tiny homes? Where are the tiny homes? Where are the tiny homes? Finally, like at four o'clock or I was just, I had had enough. I'm like, nobody cares about any of this. Let's see the tiny homes. <laughs> we drive down that little, um, uh, that driveway. It was like a, just a, uh, dirt road, you know, with rocks kicking up and sand everywhere. It's so hot. And I'm like, he's like, there it is. And he's in the backseat of the car. This dude is, I'm like that, that purple shed. No, no, no. It's not a shed. I'm like, it was a shed. It was literally, it was smaller than this. It was smaller than this little office. Never in my life. Drove just, 24 hours. To to him, like, was he trying to raise funds and then just pocket the cash and run off? Who knows? Who knows? But he was trying to convince me to come back out there by myself to refilm all the rest of his houses. And I'm like, you're out of your mind. You're no. a liar. <laughs> <laughs> totally went off the rails there for a minute, but I had a. 
I know we normally, I lo yeah, I love that one. I know, yeah, I just saw somebody funny. comment over there. I don't know if they're half joking. We're t they were talking about like, put, yeah, I don't know if you guys, have, have you ever heard of this company called Pad Split? Of Pad Split? Pad Split, like P-A-D Split. No, they're, I'm not. Uh, they're in Tampa, a little bit in Atlanta. We, we don't have them here yet, but they actually are, they, it, this may or may not infuriate you. They actually take like three twos and four threes and turn them into seven bedroom houses and rent them out by the room. Oh, so well, it's, it, it can it's an area that needs it. Like for instance, like if you're in California, right. If you're in California, there's, you can't find things that are affordable that, you know, and, and like they have similar things in like Amsterdam and stuff. It's, it's kind of like that, right? Like where they'll take right. you, you essentially to kind of do this, you always need an investor who sees the opportunity. You need a, mm -hmm. a general contractor who can, who can add a bathroom or whatever. Right stuff mm -hmm. like that. And then, and then you kind of, I don't know how you convert the house back in the long run, but we had, we had somebody on our podcast a few weeks ago, who's, who does this in Tampa mm -hmm. and you know, it's great for investors. It's great for, for shortage of housing, but yeah, this is like, they actually have wait lists of people who are like in certain markets are waiting to get on these. Cause it's, it's an affordable rent solution, probably mostly for younger single people. I don't think it's going to work if you have a family and a kid to live with other people. But I could super never other people. Super oh, we got a super, got a super chat that came in. Boy, that is a loud <laughs> super I chat. Love it. <laughs> Mystical Meat Popsicle with a five dollars super chat says, "What are your thoughts on log cabin homes?" I um I like a log cabin home. There is some things that you need to be aware of if you're thinking about doing a log cabin home, and one of them happens to be the moisture content. They have a problem with the. Uh, humidity when it comes to log cabin homes. So, you know, I know that it seems like the great outdoors and like, this is what our pioneer friends did. <laughs> so it should be okay. They just have their own set of uh, issues with having them. They're super, super cute. I love them, but definitely take a look at those. I, I can't rattle them all off to the top of my, of my head, but I like a, I like yeah. a cabin home. I think they're adorable. I think they're cool here. I think like with anything, just the real estate agent in me tells people, think about resale. Not everybody's going to want to live in a log cabin. So if this is not your forever home or it doesn't make sense with wherever you're building it, meaning it's the only log cabin home there is, just keep in mind that if you need to sell it down the road someday, it might not appeal to everybody, which ultimately could potentially lower the amount of money you get for it and its desirability. That's just yeah. me warning the investment part of it, but right, you would have to have it in the right area. You're right, because if we have a few of them around here and they don't appraise well, mm -hmm. you're, you're right about that. Now we're just a little bit so south of like Broken Bow, Oklahoma, which is where my family and I go every summer just for like a week. And mm -hmm. there's it's in the mountains. There's log cabins everywhere there. You know, mm -hmm. Airbnb short term rentals they kill up there. So that that uh that's pad split you were talking about. They, mm -hmm. they have it in Houston, Tampa, Dallas, Jacksonville, Atlanta, and Richmond. That's yeah. why I didn't hear about it. Yeah. So it's just something like I said, I don't, know if, I don't know how I feel about it one way or the other, um, but it's it's certainly interesting. Look, Dockery, K. Dockery, you're kind of right. Like I, the criteria that you would have to get the house at, where you would be able to put these houses, right? Like I can tell you right now, Plano, the town that I live in, they're, you know, they tabled it, but they were trying to put restrictions on, on short-term rentals here mainly just by requiring homeowners to pay like 300 bucks a year for an inspection. But. Oh, I got to tell you this. So since it's Super Bowl Sunday, so um, the Airbnb play like the Airbnbs that are all around, like for Super Bowl right now are like 
they know statistically they are they get rented out like 82%. Right now, they're only renting about 52%. They're they're doing terrible. They're doing terrible. And Short it's be, because well, it's because a, a lot of them were like, "Hey, we're going to make bank on this," and decided to up their rents, and they're having they're not they're not doing it. And one of them had it up to $1200 for the weekend, then brought it back down to $500, and nobody's still renting it. So this will be interesting to see if some of these Airbnbs the, that were in this business, you know, like trying to make a buck during the pandemic are going to end up putting their houses up for sale or turning them into long-term rentals, which wouldn't be a bad thing if they did long-term rentals. Because My business partner owns owns two two Airbnbs and one mm -hmm. of they're actually in the same neighborhood. Um, mm -hmm. One of them is performing quite well. The other one isn't. So he's actually going to convert the one into a longer-term rental. It just makes more sense. There's what do you mean convert? Like how well, is just, it just, I mean, you essentially, the, the really crappy part is you've just went and furnished this whole stinking house to, for um, to be an Airbnb. So he's really now, he's, the real problem is now he's got to go store all this crap because nobody really wants to rent a furnished house. No, you're wrong. You are wrong oh. because there's so many executives that are like, I want a house. I don't like even here in my little Hobunkin, little small mm -hmm. town outside of Baton Rouge. People will rent fully furnished houses. They're very excited to, so they don't have to, they don't want to furnish an apartment because they're only going to live there for a year. Like they're only doing it for a business for this period of yeah. time. So I, I would at least try, at least try. And then, he, and if you are in this situation and you need to sell your Airbnb or your, and you have all this stuff, contact other real estate offices that do um, staging because they may buy your stuff. They might buy your stuff for we a discounted rate, by the way. Don't think you're getting top dollar for your used furniture. We, we, we tried to start a staging company one time because <laughs> we thought it would be like a good business to go along with our real estate team. It's shockingly hard to work the logistics of a staging company. We ejected from that after like 60 days. There, you know, the staging really does work if you're in a market uh that is struggling. If it's if you're on the struggle bus, yeah, let your real estate agent stage your home. But um, if in a, like the market we're in, even to this day, you don't need to have expensive staging done to your house to have it sold quickly, especially if you're in that affordable housing range. Yeah. I mean, I've seen people have toothpaste all over their mirrors and are like, we'll buy it. <laughs> it's ours. <laughs> we just need to clean it. Yeah. Yep. So, all right. What are you doing for Super Bowl Sunday, my friend? You know, I'm going to hang out a little bit here for the next hour and a half. I'm going to go pick up my son at six o'clock and we're going to eat steaks and green beans and watch the game. And I kind of have to root for the Chiefs, I guess, just because as a Cowboys fan, I can't have the Eagles walking around here with a Super Bowl victory. So what are the colors of the two teams? This is how I decide who. So playing. red and green. So the Chiefs, let's just go with red, yellow, green for the Chiefs or red, yellow, white for the Chiefs and, and green and white for the, the Eagles. I have to say the the red one is prettier to me than the green one. So I will pick the red team. Go sports. And they're going to win. That's Then we're good. The prettier team is going to win. Though I will root against the Chiefs, though, because like socially, like you don't know about this, but if you want to get super annoyed by just humans in general, mm -hmm. Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback of the, the Chiefs. Just go look up his brother and watch that goofball on TikTok for 30 seconds, and then you want to delete all the apps off your phone. Oh, well, I've, 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 I've limited myself. I actually have a timer on TikTok. I only allow myself Good. 15 minutes on it. Good. <laughs> it's garbage. What is considered affordable housing? Oh, wow. Okay. Here's a, here's my answer to affordable. 
So everybody has a different perspective when it comes to affordable housing. And they're thinking that I'm talking about like Section 8 housing. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the average person with the average salary living in that area, being able to find the average home, priced home in the area. Most of the time, like here recently, the average income in the area cannot buy the average home in that area. So you, there, it's completely out of whack right now. And it has been for the last two and a half years. Um, and it was ticking that way up before the pandemic. The pandemic made it, it like ripped the bandaid off, you know, and now it's spurting out. Because yeah. I mean, it, just look at the the age range of people being able to find find their first home. There, it's increased exponentially, and that's because home prices keep continuing to go up. So, that's why that's my definition of affordable: the average person buying able to buy the average home in the area, and they can't. Yep, I agree. And, and like I said, to to put a number on it, I saw somebody throw out thirty percent of your income. That's these days. That's probably reasonable, right? And it didn't used to be. It didn't. No, it didn't used to be. 30% would be was surprised. insanity when I was growing up. 30% for a home of your income was insanity. And and I think for a lot of people that they were being honest, especially maybe some people who, who don't have their finances completely in order and maybe even just some renters, I would say there's a lot of people out there who are probably at a lot higher percentage of their income than that. Right. I'm sure there are people out there 40, 45 percent of their income is going. To that's where they're that's where it's at. Yeah. That's where the uh, so I, the last time I read the article, it was like the most Americans are paying about 42 to 45 percent of their income just for a place to sleep. Yep. It's gross. Totally disgusting. So anyways. Oh, they have one more question. They said uh, my three bedroom, two bath, twelve hundred square foot house cost me three hundred thirty thousand in twenty twenty one. I would not call that very affordable. No, it's not. But starter homes are even more expensive now in Nashville. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, like, I want to know what your interest rate was. We were just talking about this. I bet your interest rate is like, what, it's under 3%. Yeah, you're probably pretty excited. <laughs> Hold that, that sucker for a life. Yeah. You're never going to get money that cheap ever again in your life. <laughs> and I would venture to say in most major markets, if you bought in 2021, you're still sitting on a lot of equity because the market was still moving up for, even if you bought the end of 2021, you still had six months of pretty insane equity run up. Yep, absolutely, you know. absolutely. 2.8, there you go. Yay, you won. You did the right thing, my friend. You did the right thing. All right, everybody. I hope you have a fantastic Super Bowl. I hope everybody uh, is safe. Do not drink and drive. Continue to watch the interest rates because they go up and down every single day. And if I quote an interest rate, that doesn't mean that it's the interest rate for your specific state. So always check with your mortgage lender in your local area. Matt Kelderman, if you want to get a hold of him, he has a YouTube channel. And he's also on Facebook and all the other social media sites. Eddie's going to pull it up on the screen so you can find him. Look at that good looking mug. He just looks older now because he's a day older. You know, he's yeah, a year older. I got now. This beard is just rolling. So, like, I'm just letting this thing go. <laughs> yep. You're going to be like one of the bearded men. Uh, yeah. He's bearded never... men of real estate. We'll see if they'll yeah. let me in. Let me in their group. <laughs> Uh, he said that he's never, he's never refinancing. Of course, you're never refinancing. You're never going to refinance, my friend. No, you ever. Shouldn't. You should never, not. Ever, ever. Get a HELOC to don't refinance. Yes. <laughs> so thank you, Matt. I appreciate you for spending the day with us. I know that you forgot it was your birthday. I didn't know until today and Facebook reminded me. And I appreciate you coming out here. This is the second year that you have spent Super Bowl Sunday with me. Do I you know it. that? I, we're we're going to do it every year now. This is like, yeah, it's a, tradition. 
I kind of brag that I get to come on your show, so like you have to keep having me oh, on. Oh, really? <laughs> well, I, ha I do have the best audience in the planet, honestly. You do. You yeah, do. and now we're on podcasts. So if you, you don't know this and you want to share this with people, we are now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you can get your podcast, you can go ahead and uh, you know download it and listen to, to us ramble about real estate. This was all over the place. This real estate conversation was all over the place today. I love it. It was because my brain was like, I couldn't get my out of my head about those people in Ohio. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have read that before I went to bed last night. <laughs> and then this morning I went down a rabbit hole, just kept reading and reading and reading and reading. Shouldn't have done that. Can't, well, I, I, I just to. think about their homes and what they're going to do and their poor kids and their families and their dogs and their livestock. And I don't know. Anyway. Anyways, thank you, everybody. Happy Super Bowl. Be good. Stay out of trouble. Enjoy Don't touch strangers. Look both ways before crossing. Happy Look. birthday, Matt. Look at that. Aw, wasn't that nice? That, that is, is so killing nice. in the production room. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, moderator. For Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Happy birthday to you.